intro video, as you've suggested to me before, on yourself and kind of what you do on a high level. But having a presentation recorded on a deal, that can be a game changer because you could send that out to 100 people. 200, 500 or, people. Or maybe even a video and a you know, portfolio package on previous deals. Yes. So um, you, know, you could say, oh, this is a building that we did you know, five years ago, and this was the return on that. And you know, these were the kind of investors that were in. So you can start to, the other thing you can probably start to do is you know, eliminate some of the people that are not the right. ideal investor for you. Okay. You know, so you might say, you know, the, this deal, we, we had 10 people came in at, uh, you know, $250,000 each. Well, if I'm thinking of investing $10,000 in real estate, I know I'm not, you know, sometimes you see, you see, you know, ads or whatever, and it's, yeah. you know, X, Y, Z returns and everybody kind of jumps on it and thinks, great. You're listening to the REI Branded Podcast. It's for you, the busy real estate investor who wants to stand out from the crowd and attract the right leads, right partners, and right clients every time. My name's Paul Copcut, and each week we'll be looking to decode and uncover what makes a real estate investor brandtastic and how you can apply it to your real estate investing business. Each episode is intended to be valuable, cut to the chase, and actionable, so you can begin to implement quickly and easily to get the results you want in your business. Thank you for listening. Now let's get to work on making you brandtastic. So then I'm going to rewind back to something a little bit more basic. So this is including me. I initially thought branding and marketing were exactly the same thing. I was asking you the difference between branding and marketing. Well, branding is kind of the overall what you're trying to to achieve in terms of, you know, a brand is really the sum total of all the experiences that people have of you. So it's it's uh, that's the overarching piece. And then marketing are kind of the tactics and the actions that you want to take to raise the visibility and credibility of that brand. So that's okay. those are the two different in a quick kind of definition but a brand is kind of like um you don't i mean you do get to define what your brand is but at the end of the day mm. the success of the, or the visibility and credibility of that brand is what other people say about it the marketing the marketing is what you put in place in terms of trying to raise the profile of that brand okay but at the end of the day uh, people are going to determine whether they believe that brand or not and so you don't, that, brings you don't up an, that, bring, that brings up an interesting point then. Does branding have an emotional aspect to it? Like, does branding have a totally. personality? Uh, well, I mean, we all have a, yeah. I, I, you know, my, my background came from a, well, not quite a little bit. Um, it, at some point, originally I started in sales and marketing in kind of more the traditional corporate area. And then I got very interested in the personal brand aspect. And, you know, with a lot of the real estate investor clients I work with, the brand of the real estate investment company is the brand of that individual. So, mm. yes, there's definitely an emotional connection. But if you think about the brands that you know and love, Adney, yeah. the chances are it isn't because of a particular feature or a particular benefit. Yeah. It's the emotional connection you make to that brand. And that can be the same as turning off from a brand. You're, mm. you're 
not attracted to certain brands because it's not the right emotional connection. But if you think about, think about Apple, for example, if you're an Apple lover yeah. and you see somebody else who has an Apple product mm-hmm. or you see the laptop with the little Apple symbol, there's almost like a, a little nod. You know, it's kind of you like you acknowledge each other because of the emotional connection you've made to that brand. So mm-hmm. you know, absolutely, um, people buy based on emotional reasons versus rational reasons in a lot of cases, particularly around successful brands. So that means uh, we'd be, you should be looking at infusing your emotion into your brand, which of course should translate to a more positive perception to people. I'm guessing that's the point, right? With branding, like to have that, to have the yeah. other person have that positive connection with you. Yeah, so what, what you want to do, um, and this is a great exercise for everybody to do at some point. Go talk to five people who know you fairly well mm-hmm. and ask them what are the three to five words you would use to describe me. And the chances are you'll start to hear similar words. Mm-hmm. And maybe you go to 10 people, but I mean, five is probably more than enough. They don't need to know you really well, like a spouse or a partner or or something like that, but people that know you and have interacted with you and know you well enough to answer that question. Okay. And the chances are you're going to see a set of attributes and, th- and there's two sets of attributes that you need to identify that you want to then focus on communicating in terms of your brand. So rational attributes and then emotional attributes. So the rational attributes, let's take, um, let's take George um, Dubay as an example. So you know, George is in the accounting field. So if I was to go to other people like George, then the chances are I'm going to see similar rational attributes like things like accurate, analytical, honest, hopefully. Yeah. So, you know, those are all rational attributes. But, you know, George would say he has that, but then other good accountants will say they have that. So he needs that. That's an important set of attributes that he needs to communicate well to his prospects and clients. But they don't differentiate him. Hmm. But... If, if you can identify, if he can identify the emotional attributes associated with his brand, you know, maybe he's quirky, maybe he's caring, maybe he's you know, whatever, whatever, funny. So yes. if those are attributes he doesn't need to do what he does, but they differentiate him. So then, mm-hmm. that, then he, he wants to emphasize those and get, highlight those because then that will differentiate him. So if, it, if everybody knows George, I mean, everybody knows George, if you've met George, or you don't, actually don't even need to meet George, just go have a look at his Instagram account. He's always wearing bow ties. I th- and I think he told me he's got like 250 or something. <laughs> but, you know, that's, a, that's a, like a brand, you know, he's kind of stamping a brand there and that, that makes him memorable. But it isn't, it isn't the reason why people hire him, but there's a definite emotional connection that he's made from that aspect as well. But that's a, that's a whole different element of marketing and branding. But you need to ident- if you can identify those rational attributes and also the emotional, yeah. and then emphasize those in the things that you, how you communicate, how you, the wording on your website, uh, on your, the way that you introduce yourself, mm-hmm. and then people start to identify, oh, yeah, I want to work with Adney because he's this, this, and this, versus somebody else who says they do the same as you. That's a, that's a very good point. Now, I, I also want to transition into um, looking for customers. Mm-hmm. So do you have to know, so when you're doing your, let's say your branding or your marketing, 
predicting should you also know who your customers are like who your demographics are who you're targeting or is that not really important in marketing uh, your brand uh, it's cr- it's critical because you could spend a lot of time and resources and money trying to be everything to everyone and okay. you'll end up ch- either chasing your tail or you won't be very effective a lot of people resist uh, focusing on a target market and they think they're going to miss opportunities because of it but if you're if you're recognized as nobody for nobody then why would people necessarily come to you but it, you know it's like yourself adney you know you specialize in multifamily and medical plazas and if i know full well if somebody said in a facebook group or they at a networking event said mm, i'm thinking of getting into medical plazas mm-hmm. straight away i'm going to say you need to talk to adney because he knows that space go talk go talk to adney so that's that helps you differentiate your brand it makes your brand memorable but it helps people refer you as well and that's you know that's the key so so if you're looking at target audience maybe you're targeting you know i i hear some people say oh well i'm going to target you know everybody who's thinking of investing in real estate well that's a pretty big space especially with what's going on in the market right now everybody's thinking real estate um but if you said okay if i target professionals earning more than six figures um in the uh you know either a geographical area sometimes geography is a great way to differentiate a target market so you're not limiting yourself or it could be a special you know it could be doctors it could be you know i'm, I'm going to specialize in dentists so i mean professionals is a great example because typically they're looking to diversify their portfolios they have disposable income they're looking to invest in in their retirements and they're probably taken care of from the stock side of things yes but they're probably looking for that diversification then you can start to spend your time and resources figuring out where do those people hang out where can i get my name in front of them where can i get to interact with them or who also gets in front of those people that could introduce me so it's not necessarily another real estate investor it could be somebody else that services that niche target and okay. then they introduce you and and you you're going to be, have much more success than trying to scatter gun and hit everybody wow that is huge that is huge that's really good advice really good advice and i know it's been helping me out as well uh really i i used to try 10 years ago i would try and attract everybody and everybody under the sun in who wanted to invest in real estate it i found myself wearing myself thin you know with all the strategies that I was using to attract those people and I just didn't have that much time uh money or resources right to actually dedicate myself to just trying to accommodate everybody i actually found a lot more success to your point when i started uh, um, zoning um, let's say raising money from professionals doctors dentists accountants lawyers and then i had to figure out what age that i want to group them are they you know 25 30 year old accountants or are they 50 plus your old accountants then i had to figure out what area they're living in and to your point i had to find out to network pre covid where did these people go to interact are these social clubs are these bars are these uh, networking events real estate events so i had to figure out where these professionals in my demographic age and everything went 
investors. And it really did skyrocket. How? I was raising money. How much money I raised? It increased exponentially. So to your point, it really does work. Really does work. So another question I had. So I'm going to focus on something specific here because I get this question a lot. So a lot of people ask me, Adney, what can I do to attract other investors, either money investors or partners? So in the real real estate circle, one of the common problems that we as investors come across, Paul, is how do we present ourselves to attract other people? So from a marketing branding perspective, just focusing on that kind of leeway, what, what what can I focus on basically as the investor? So what should I be prepping, preparing? How can I position myself so that I appear better to them? So, um, so I think a couple of things. One is, I mean, you know, that's just another target market. So you, you would approach it the same way from a target audience perspective. So build up that profile, who are they, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But then try and find out what's important to them hmm. in terms of, you know, are they, you know, so if you're dealing with um, busy professionals, for example, they might be very much more about, yep. I need some, I need some straight information straight away. I just need the bottom line. I don't need a lot of fluff. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if you're targeting perhaps people that haven't done this kind of investing before, then there might be more of a, a time that you're going to have to build that relationship. You're going to have to build trust okay. um, in particular. So, mm-hmm. you know, things like case studies, you know, examples of things that you've done in the past yeah. um, with success, testimonials, very, but very, very powerful. Okay. I mean, you think about how many people, you know, if you're buying something or thinking of buying something, um, you know, do you, where do you go to find out if, you know, that's a good product or a service? Chances are you're going to Google, you're going to go and look at reviews. I mean, you're going to go and try a new restaurant just because it's a brand new restaurant. No, you're probably going to go and see if other people have been there first. What do they think? Yes. Or, you know, those are all things that you, so same thing. So you want to, you know, good reviews, Mm-hmm. video testimonial was even more powerful you know we're absorbing video more and more so you know yeah. people but but don't underestimate um different people like to absorb information or marketing pieces differently so if you have a video there's nothing wrong in taking the the text from that and turning it into a written document or maybe even a, a, a downloadable audio that somebody could listen to so okay repurpose the same thing so that you're um, appealing to different people's way of consuming media. So, you know, you know, we see a ton of video obviously um, and it is very quick to absorb. But, you know, for me, if I'm mm-hmm. looking at something that's longer term, you know, and not longer term, but in longer duration, I switch off after about two and a half minutes on a video. Interesting. I don't have time to, you know, I start to do other things or multitask and then I'm not listening. So I'll, I'll tend to prefer to, you know, I'll, I'm even old school sometimes and print something off and actually sit and read it. <clears throat> Not good for the environment, I appreciate, but, um, you know, still, that's how I like to, if I'm looking at something very detailed. Yeah, but that brings up an interesting point. So, so then you're suggesting that not only can somebody like me, let's say, do a video on a deal perhaps that I'm trying to do, but I should also have the counterpart, which is maybe an Excel file or perhaps a document, a PDF, some yep. kind of presentation that visually has all the numbers, right. the raw data, so that uh, somebody like you 
could actually look at the presentation or the Excel file or the analysis, and you can actually consume it at a different pace on your own time. Right. It's, it's more detailed, more analytical. Yeah, and particularly in you know in the times of COVID now, mm-hmm. you know, I, and, and we're all getting, um, you know, we're all spending a lot of time on calls like this or on Zoom calls. Yeah. You know, sometimes people may not want to dedicate that time, um, mm. or may not be available when you're available. So nothing wrong with recording a presentation. You know, if you've got a slide deck and you're talking people through a, a deal or yeah. potential deal, so you could you could take them up to a certain point enough for them to be interested, but, but maybe you don't give them the final facts and figures, you know, that's more of a phone call that you want to have or a face-to-face or a Zoom call that you want to have to go through those numbers and answer their questions. But maybe that's, you know, that could save you potentially a lot of time, particularly if you've got a, you know, big deal that you're trying to attract a lot of potential investors. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you've got, and, and, and it's, you know, like many, many types of sale like this, for want of a better description, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a numbers game in terms of, you know, you're going to have to go and talk to 100 people to get 10 people who are interested to get five people who are really interested to get three people that are going to invest. So, you know, so that, for that 100 up there, why not have something already pre-recorded that you can direct them to versus have to have all that one-on-one? So yes. leverage technology. So. That's genius, though, because um, that's genius in its simplicity, because uh, a guy like me who is old school, I'm used to shaking hands, meeting with people, you know, there's coffee, there's lunch, then you have to build relationship, which generally takes a few weeks to a few months, because you have to get to know that person, then you're pitching to them. So they don't know much about the deal until developed that relationship, which of course gets harder uh, through Zoom or through Skype, right? So having maybe an intro video, as you suggested to me before, on yourself and kind of what you do on a high level, but having a presentation recorded on a deal, that can be a game changer because you could send that out to 100 people, 200, 500 or, people. Or maybe even a video and a you know portfolio package on previous deals. So. Um, you know, you could say, oh, this is a building that we did, you know, five years ago, and this was the return on that. And, you know, these were the kind of investors that were in. So you can start to, the other thing you can probably start to do is, you know, eliminate some of the people that are not the ideal investor for you. Okay. You know, so you might say, you know, this deal, we, we had 10 people came in at, uh, you know, $250,000 each. Well, if I'm thinking of investing $10,000 in real estate, I know I'm not you know, sometimes you see, you see, you know, ads or whatever, and it's, yeah. you know, X, Y, Z returns and everybody kind of jumps on it and thinks, great, you know, I've got spare 10,000 to invest and, in, you know, somebody's looking for a hundred thousand or a million or, or more. So yes, yes. Be much more targeted. No, that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, if you enjoyed that, let me know in the chat box. So here's a question for you guys. How many of you have active branding and marketing strategies? So if you could just let me know yes, no, maybe in the chat box, we can take a look and see who all have it, okay? So as as we're looking for uh, some answers on there, I'm just going to move to the marketing side, at least my version of the marketing (laughs) side. Um, Keeping in mind, I'm not the expert, guys. So if I make a mistake, you know, we'll just blame Paul. That's okay. (laughs) So on the marketing side now, um, as you've mentioned, that's the actionable 
steps. Yeah. That's what you can up your branding. What can you focus on on the marketing side from a social media standpoint? This is a huge topic, I know, but I think it's very important as we come out on Zoom, Skype, you know, WebEx and Microsoft Teams, how can we use social media to our advantage? Are we using them separately as platforms, you know, doing ads? Are we sending our presentations? Like, how can we cohesively use it to bump up our actual branding? Because we, so, I, would, I would assume we want to have a uniform image, right? Well, yeah, you want brand us. consistency, but um, when it comes to social media, um, you know, that can be a very time-consuming action, marketing action. So the more important thing is to take that step back and look at the target audience and say, where are they more likely to be hanging out? Okay. You know, so if you're targeting you know, young 25-year-old um, recently qualified professionals who might have spare money to think about investing in small, probably smaller amounts, quite yeah. probably, probably uh, they've probably got student debt, so <laughs> but they may be thinking about starting early then you're probably going to want to be thinking about, you know, uh, Instagram versus, you know, somewhere else. But, mm. but you know, for, I, I would think, you know, for the, for the majority of people that are looking for um, real estate, in, you know, or not necessarily real estate investors, people that are or might consider investing in real estate as a silent partner. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think LinkedIn is a very underutilized um, network. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of information you can get out of LinkedIn without having to pay for it. You know, the challenge with Instagram and Facebook, it, it is almost a pay to play type of it is. game now, um, to get any kind of reach. And there's a lot of noise going on there. You know, they have fantastic, uh, you know, they have fantastic tools to identify and break audiences down. Um, but you know, you, you can do a lot of things on LinkedIn for free. Um, without even thinking about it. You, you don't even have to think about their advertising packages. Um, it's still probably, it's probably the only network where you can organically have success trying to identify people and have sales conversations. Um, you know, it's starting I, to change. It's starting to become more Facebook-ish, but you yeah. know, there's still opportunity there. Um, and you don't, you know, the nice thing with LinkedIn, it goes back to, you know, time is, you know, the average Facebook user is on Facebook, I think it's something like 17 times a day. Oh, wow. So the, so the average LinkedIn user is probably on LinkedIn maybe 17 minutes a week. So you don't have to do a lot of activity to, um, to interact to with people or to post. To generate those leads, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's, it takes a little bit longer, and, um, but it's, you know, typically the, the income, the average income of people that are on LinkedIn is higher. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a great you know, stat to have in the first place, you can identify by job title. So you've got a pretty good idea what they're earning. Um, location, yeah. you know, you can see that they're employed. You know, it, there's a lot of pluses there. There are a lot of pluses. Uh, now that you've mentioned that, actually, uh, I've only recently been been realizing the power. In, and I'm saying recently in the past six to seven months, because I recently tried raising money on Facebook and LinkedIn. I was successful on Facebook, raised about half a million. I'd also raised a couple of hundred thousand, so just shy of half a million on LinkedIn. I didn't know, but and I found it was actually easier 
to raise money on LinkedIn. And by raising money, what I'm talking about is I have a certain product and then I utilize that to attract the professionals that I assessed. Right. Here, yeah. I just went, instead of going live and meeting with them, I just used LinkedIn. And it took longer, in my personal opinion, to get to these people, you know, get them to conversate a couple of emails, then I can get to the phone call, then, of course, relationship builds and so on. But it does work. It does work. So what can we do on, um, what could we do on Facebook and LinkedIn? So we'll just talk about those two because you identified those. Any, you know, beginner tips for us to kind of start yeah, off on the right foot? Yeah. Well, I think on, in, in both cases, you know, if you're positioning yourself as somebody that you, you want people to do business with you or invest with you. Okay. Um, and you want to think first about adding value to that mm. that relationship in some way. So that might be to you know provide useful info. You know you don't have to necessarily and um, you can be lazy with your brand in terms of you could curate instead of create. Okay. So you know you could be the you know you could be the go to person for all things multifamily and medical plaza so you know people start to know you as because you're sharing valuable information you're sharing reports you're sharing updates in that space so that when you occasionally put something out to say okay i've just come across this medical plaza opportunity um you know looks like a good deal if you want to talk further reach out and that just starts you know people say oh well i've you know i've seen adney share great information for the last three months. So I'd, I'd probably trust him to go and have a conversation at least. At least. Um, you know, same, same with LinkedIn. I mean, you know, if, it's, if you're just blasting stuff with promotions and it's all about you, 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 yeah. you know, people switch off very quickly. People see through that now. I mean, it's not, you know, the old way of doing sales, you know, close seven times or whatever it is, you know, it, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't work as effective yeah. anymore. Okay, so that's an interesting point. So you're saying don't just blast things about you and right. what you have. You're saying provide some kind of value before? Yep. yep. You talk about your deal or your product or yourself? Right. That's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, so I mean, do- LinkedIn, you can, you know, you can have more of a, you know, some of the clients I work with, we have a specific, you know, uh, lead generation strategy. So that's more about reaching out, trying to connect with people, providing a piece of value once they've connected, adding a second piece of value a few weeks later, and then giving them the opportunity to watch, you know, maybe a presentation or a webinar. But, you know, always asking. Always versus, asking. Versus pushing. So it will be a message saying, you know, would seeing, a, you know, um, a presentation mm-hmm. uh, on multifamily investing or medical plaza investing be of interest to you if yes great i'll send you the link if not no worries you know no pressure no you know that otherwise people as i say kind of see through it or it just so what um now this leads up actually you've already touched on it already i was actually going to ask you what different kinds of value proposition could we give our customers so are there different types or are, should we just stick to, like, yeah. let's say, a video presentation? Are there any other things that we could well, kind of do? Well, from, a, from an initial, you know, you're not going to want to offer the, the presentation or a webinar okay. right off the bat. You know, at least I don't, I don't believe 
you know, that your conversion rates are probably going to be low from that perspective, yeah. unless it's a deal that you know <laughs> is unbelievable and everybody grabs it. But if you if you put together something that's easy to consume, gives people a couple of either actions or it gives them you know, a couple of insights, it you know just adds value to their understanding. Okay. Um, so that might just be, you know, are you are you really ready to be involved you know involved in real estate investing? You know, these are the things. Here's the ten things you need to think about. Checklist. Okay. Bang, 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 bang. Oh, you know, checklist. That's a good one. So maybe so like checklists are very easy because they're, you know, they're easy to put together and they're easy for people to kind of quickly get a win from in terms of, you know, what, you know, if I, if I hadn't invested in, if I haven't invested in multifamily buildings, yeah. you know, what are the things I'm, I'm thinking about? What are the things I'm concerned about? Am I going to get the phone calls at 12 o'clock at night? Am I going to, you know, maybe that's, you know, what are the, 21 things that you uh, or myths about uh, being invested in multifamily buildings. Oh. So maybe that's and that's maybe. adding uh, and that's adding value and that information is is will take well, some research it comes from experience but we could put that together. So and, you, that and you're also qualifying them Adney that's the thing is you, you're already getting them to think real estate you know they may not have even considered real estate investing or if they have they're right on the, the edge. Okay. You know, but you know that's the kind of person that you want to get interested and kind of knock away those concerns they've got. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously, once they become, you know, a JV partner, then you know, they could be a JV partner again and again and again. So it's that's true. That's true. Versus but, maybe chasing JV partners are already out there. So. And that happens quite often. That's why that's why I'm elaborating more and more on this because, you know, ten fifteen years ago, I was chasing partners, people, deals, I mean, you name it, I was chasing it. It's because I wanted, again, to appeal to everybody. Once I started focusing in on what I wanted, then I could develop a plan of action to them. Perhaps do a phone call, see what they're looking for from the investment side, right? What right. their risk tolerance, which is essentially your the checklist to right. see kind of here are some basic questions. If you're interested, let's move to the next level or the next. Right. That's a really great way to qualify people so that you're not wasting your time as well. Right. I like that one. Um, just, I mean, it, could, it could be, a, you know, the other things, I mean, it could be a video series. Hmm. You know, you, if you don't like the idea of writing something, yeah. you could, um, you know, Ken, Ken Beacon Dam, a completely separate thing, but you know, hmm. Ken Beacon Dam does legal second suites. Yeah. You know, he's got a 10-point checklist, but he's built it into a guide with pictures. Nice. So you can actually walk around with that guide in a basement and go, has it got that? Yep, it's got that. Yes, it's got that. So I mean, you could do that. You could do images. You could do videos. You could do a, you know, the three, three key things you need to be thinking about when involving, you know, when looking for a, a medical plaza investment. Okay. Yeah, location, location, location. No, but I mean, it's... <laughs> whatever it is that's you know, yeah, the key, that's key elements. Excellent. Excellent. Um, now I'm going to bring up COVID-19 for a second, because of course things have changed for us all as investors, yep. right? And partners during COVID-19. I know pre-COVID, pre-COVID what we usually do to attract partners. I'm getting a better sense, a better idea. What should we be focusing on now? Now that, as you pointed out, people are getting, zoomed out, Skyped out, right? So we're coming across a lot of these webinars, 
lots of data coming at us, like Facebook, LinkedIn, everybody's promoting everything. As individual investors who want to attract people or deals, what could we be doing at the basic level during COVID-19? You could, you could go back to the, you know, some of the, ba- the good basic sales techniques like referrals. Mm. You know, I, I think a lot of people ignore the referral um, avenue, yeah. and yet a referral is probably the strongest lead you'll ever get. Mm. Um, because you know, if you can go back to your past or current uh, JV partners, yeah. And say, look, you know how I operate. You know who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the results I can bring you. Who might you know in a similar situation to you were five years ago or whatever it was that mm-hmm. might be interested in having a conversation? Would okay. you be comfortable making an introduction? You know, class, classic old sales, sales techniques. That's old um, school. Yeah. That's but it's... Old school. But but it, it's it's like the old version of a, a Yelp review, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, yeah, that's true. I and I'm something is coming back to mind here, so I'm going to say it out loud. <laughs> the cost of acquisition for a new customer is always going to be greater than the yep. than the acquisition of an existing customer or client. And I think that's that's an old sales tactic. That's an old sales saying. And I think it still holds true. Uh, to your point, asking for a referral from an existing business venture is probably going to uh, going to be less of an exertion on your time and resources than it is to go after a brand new customer or client that you've never talked to before. Right. I would imagine that to be true in this case as well, right? Yeah, for sure. And and you and you've already got you know the door is already half open because somebody you know and like and trust is making that introduction. Is that the key then? Is that the key with branding and marketing? You you, you want to instill? You've mentioned this a couple of times, so I'm just touching back on it. Is the key to then instill trust in the other person? Like it's like what's the overall objective or the goal? Yes, I know yes. it is. Uh, yeah, it's 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 trust and credibility. You know, credibility brand is also. brand is trust and credibility, and marketing is about the visibility of that mm-hmm. trust and credibility. I like that visibility. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so you need you need both, but um, you know you if you're focused only on the visibility piece, but no trust is there. Yeah. Then people will see you as false. And that's what I see a lot of. And, and frankly, that was also me 15 years ago, right? I was all about marketing to everybody on every single magazine, newspaper. You know what I mean? So that's what I was doing. But I wasn't showing people exactly what I did or what my value proposition was. What, um, you know, morals, ethics, hey, what my background was, what I kind of support. I find people are a lot more attracted to the person as a whole rather than just the deal. Right. At least I found that to be true. So I like that marketing is visibility. So, and then, you know, another thought would be around, you know, partnerships. So who is already interacting and has relationships with your target market? Okay. You know, it could be, you know, it could be a, you know, a, another type of club. It could be, you know, particular location or uh, business. Uh, it could be a professional mm-hmm. association. Could be, 
you know, if you, you know, there could be, you know, you think about, uh, you know, the accountants, for example, is a good example. What is it? There's 90,000 accountants in, in Ontario. Yeah. So if you're targeting accountants, every major location has a local chapter. Yeah. You know, they're probably still putting on webinar events, but I mean, you know, bringing them up to date with, you know, what are the implications around real estate investing? Yes. Don't know. Um, no, that's true. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. You know what? Uh, focusing on, on demographics, like I've written, I mean, I've got two pages worth of stuff here, Paul. <laughs> so this is really fantastic. And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.